I'm Will. And I'm Luke. And this is Will and Luke Discuss. A vodcast. And podcast. Where we discuss content related to psychology, personal growth, self-development, and well-being. This This episode, episode, we're discussing The Happiness Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt. So this is a book that he's written where he was aware that there was a lot of, you know, wisdom out there in modern self-help books and there's a huge amount of quantity of material out there kind of telling us the best ways to live and how to be happy and um, many ideas of psychology that kind of get a bit diluted and I guess he thought that he was able to find you know kind of 10 key great ideas of ancient wisdom um, that you know kind of uh, can help us within human flourishing and he's called these 10 ideas um, well, these 10 ideas kind of contribute to what he refers to as the happiness hypothesis that he concludes the book with. Um, I guess before this uh, cast, we were just talking a bit about, you know, how this is a, as as a book to review, it's kind of, it's an interesting one because you, you kind of wouldn't want to go necessarily through like each 10 of the uh, great ideas that he's got in the kind of same way when we did 12 rules for life, you don't want to go through like each rule one by one. But um, I guess there's, uh, there's parts of the book that you can kind of, um, pick up and learn from and apply to your own life so i suppose we'll uh we'll tackle it from from that angle but um certainly there are you know kind of 10 key ideas that he goes through in this book yeah we'll try and pick out the key themes i suppose so he was saying in the intro that he was teaching a psychology course and um found that people pay more attention if you tell stories so what he did was take like ancient stories from uh, Buddhism, Confucius, Taoism, Christianity, Islam, all these, that's what he means by ancient wisdom, um, the Greeks, the Romans. Yeah. And that he found that actually there's a lot of ideas, a lot of psychological ideas embedded in these ancient texts, which now have, um, I guess, research backing behind them in modern psychology. And uh, this is what, this is the field of psychology referred to as positive psychology i was trying to get my head around this so positive psychology is like as opposed to say abnormal psychology where you're generally focused on people who are just suffering horribly or are dysfunctional and you're looking at that and how that's happened and why it's like well here we're looking at people who flourish or who are really happy and what they've done right (laughs) and so uh it's a bit yes yes yeah uh, yeah positive angle on on looking at the human mind Yes, yeah, more like, you know, strengths-based as opposed to deficit-based in in its um, theorising. I think it's worth mentioning there is kind of one sort of underlying theme that goes throughout the book, and he talks about this concept of there being, you know, kind of like the elephant and the rider um, in our lives, and kind of like the elephant being our kind of more, um, I suppose, emotional emotional animal instincts that kind of... um, uh, you know, they're kind of like, that lead to like natural behaviors that we don't necessarily always have control over. And then there's the rider who's the one who kind of is, you know, thinking through the direction of our life, incorporating, you know, values and making decisions. And uh, I think I'll, you know, we'll, we'll better be able to explain that as I suppose we go on through <laughs> the cast. But I think that that's kind of like the main gist that, you know, is like, how do we, how do we kind of, um, pay, pay honor to our natural instincts and drives and, um, in a world whilst also kind of, uh, you know, strengthening our rider and our decision-making and our values and living by those. Yeah. It's the same idea as a chimp paradox, right? But rather than a chimp, we've got this elephant and actually this, this (laughs) (laughs) analogy came from the Buddha, I think, who, do I have a quote? No. 
um <laughs> there's a buddha who was talking about like how yeah the the elephant is your emotional passion-based mind and and uh it's the the riders you're more conscious and rational self and like yeah if the elephant if the elephant's fine with the direction you're going in it can feel like you're actually riding it and guiding the elephant but as soon as it wants something else <laughs> it's like you don't have much of a choice it's going to drag you along with it and uh, he also said he chose the elephant as part of the analogy because it's quite smart like our our i guess unconscious or emotional self can get a bad rap for just wanting to eat pizza and be sedentary and not do anything but actually our unconscious processes um have their own you know intelligence to them as well so they're not, they're not just to be written off and overruled mm. but integrated which i guess is the theme of the book yeah it's uh it's uh um i i thought it was a i thought it was a a good book i i definitely i felt like it was a um <laughs> yeah, a bit a bit different to some of the other ones I've read in the sense that like it's it's really like all encompassing. He's not kind of pushing forward like one particular ideology or one particular idea. It, it feels pretty balanced and uh it almost could could belong in in uh in the Bible of books we've got. I'll, uh, I'm yet to be decided. I think by the end of the book I'll <laughs> end of this <laughs> podcast, I'll, I'll have decided. Um I, I think I'd be interested, I suppose, just because I'm yeah, trying to wading my way through kind of what were the the best bits. I, I think I'd be quite keen just to go to like my favorite bit straight out. Go for it. Um, and just kind of hopefully that leads on to something. So I think the um the chapter I got the most out of was um chapter seven. So it's called the uses of adversity. So he's kind of oh, yeah. talking about how um people need adversity to reach the highest levels of our strengths, fulfillment, and personal development. And you know, th throughout the chapter, he does kind of provide a bit of a balanced view about how. You, know, you kind of need the right amount of diversity, but not so much that it's just absolutely tragic and flaws you completely. Right. So, you know, he does kind of summarize saying like adversity should happen between the ages of fifteen and twenty-five. <laughs> yeah. It should it should be varied, but but not too full on. So that's sort of, yeah. I guess, like keeping in context what he means by adversity. I don't think he's kind of a. He, he was careful not to kind of say you know the most like awful things happen to you aren't necessarily <laughs> always going to be the most strengthening, but. Um, you know, like this going through stresses and the impacts of those aren't aren't a bad thing. It's how we rise to them and how we rise to the occasion. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this yeah, kind of backs reveal, off yeah. of Nietzsche's quote: "What doesn't kill you makes you stronger," which is obviously yeah. sometimes true. And, and that's I think that's his point, right? That there's yeah. you can have post traumatic stress disorder or post traumatic growth, and and why. Yeah adversity could make you stronger i is is an interesting one isn't it because like he says well like you just pointed out there's a certain time in your life where you might be uh not so set in your ways that it would sort of crack you and not so underdeveloped that you wouldn't be able to handle it but yeah between like your late teens and before your 30s a good time to to face bad things happening to you that's quite an interesting idea hmm. And I think, you know, um, I guess some of the key things about Daniel you know, said like um, endurance produces, what's he say? He says, suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. Um, and kind of says, you know, it changes our priorities and our philosophies towards the present. So it can have an impact on our values, our perspective and our ability to be you know, compassionate to other people. So there's plenty of opportunities through, through adversity. And I think, um, 
I think the bit that stood out to me the most in this chapter is saying that adversity affects the following. So um, saying that, you know, our, I'll kind of go through it here and I'll just see what, what kind of stands out to you, pick it up. Yeah. So it says like, our, um, it affects our personality. And these are like typically measured across like the big five, which would be like, you know, neuroticism, extroversion, introversion, uh, openness, agreeableness, and conscientiousness. And he draws on the fact that there are, um, our personality has three levels. So there's like our, our basic traits, um, mm-hmm. our characteristic adaptations. So that's things like goals, defense mechanisms, values, beliefs, life stage concerns. And then there's our life story, which is like an evolving story that integrates a reconstructed past, a perceived present and anticipated future into a coherent life myth. So I think bearing all those three things in mind, thinking about like how adversity could contribute to that. So thinking that, you know, your your basic traits are affected by that. So like your level of introversion, extroversion, like how open you are to things, how agreeable you are to things, how conscientious you live your life. And then obviously going through adversity can affect your your defense mechanisms. Like are you kind of being overly protective in um, certain situations? Like how, how much does that kind of dictate your interactions with people moving forwards? And then how it would affect your life story, you know? Like how do you um, script and re-narrativize difficult moments in your life that um that kind of contribute to who you are now so you can kind of look back and go like that's something i went through i understand that clearly mm. here's how it affects me in the present knowing these things about myself and the difficulties i've been through or the challenging situations i've been through here is how i will proceed into the future and i think that was a i suppose quite a neat way of thinking about it although i probably explained it in not a very neat way i feel like it it was kind of quite a nice way of thinking about it across those three three um three levels yeah yeah and uh, he returns to that idea i think in his last chapter about um happiness comes from in between and that these three levels you know if they're if they're aligned if we've sort of got a I don't know, a life script that matches our personality type and our defences and our goals are all nicely linked up. We're probably going to be more happy than if, I don't know, we're really introverted and agreeable, but we're trying to make it in sales (laughs) to use a really uh, mundane example. But yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. So, and this also built on uh, the James Pennebate Pennebaker's work on writing about trauma, like writing about traumas you've had, and I guess mm. being able to express your thoughts and feelings around it really uh, helps you process it. And lit- literally, those studies show that you know your heart health's better, and you're likely to live longer if you write about the bad things that have happened to you. And I mm. guess that's part of that mm. third level, creating your life myth. <laughs> He um kind of yeah just on the back of what you're saying there he's saying like a well integrated person is when your your basic traits match up with your characteristic adaptations which are consistent with your life story right yeah I think that's a yeah. really nice concise way of putting it so like that they're all all in balance and everything's making sense and um yeah also saying that you know in terms of how we respond to adversity there's like three different ways of coping so there's that right. like active coping so directly you know, facing the things that 
that challenge us head on. I think, you know, Jordan Peterson would probably have a lot to say about that, you know, like staring down your demons and slaying the dragon within and all that. And then, um, and then there's like the appraisal, which is like the internal work, which I think links probably a bit to what Pennebaker is right. saying, you know, kind of doing internal work to investigate what's going on and right. correct. And then I guess the final way we would, uh, you know, cope with things is through like avoidance. So denying, blunting. Oh, okay. Distractions. Yeah. yeah. And it, that, that kind of got me thinking about, you know, kind of um, stuff around like Marino's like role theory about like we have different um, coping systems. So like sometimes we move against, we move towards, or we move away from challenging situations. And I okay. suppose like within that, we have different, different roles um, that we undertake depending on different challenging situations. And I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess there's there's a lot in that. Um, <laughs> I suppose, but it's uh, yeah, I guess kind of summarizing like what he's referring to as like a well integrated person who's yeah. able to kind of balance all of these and cope in healthy ways, which often face things head on, um, which will lead to you okay. being a lot less like neurotic um, if you if you face things head on. Whereas if you move, um, sorry, if if you move towards things, you're likely. He says, like, to be happier, to feel stronger. Whereas if you move away from things, you tend to be more neurotic and okay. worry more and are a lot less happy. So, so I'm trying to follow things. them. Yeah. So there were three, you say yeah. three um, ways we handle adversity. And it's if I heard yeah, you right, yeah. the first two sounded, yeah. you know, like a pretty good idea. And the last one was like, sweep it under the carpet and don't think about it. Yes, Is that, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. were the difference between the first two again? Uh, so um, ac- ac- active coping and... Yeah which is directly facing it and then appraisal, which is internal work. Okay. So well, the first one would be like, what actually like behaving in a way that I don't know, like exposure therapy or something. Whereas the second one's yes, more yeah. about your inner life and writing perhaps. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I assume he's saying that they're both pretty good ideas. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. And he does quote Pennebaker you know, about opening yeah, up and it would how, do. how we can like, <laughs> yeah, how, how we can like close, close chapters in our lives as well. Yeah. Well, Jordan Peterson's, um, uh, what's it called? Self-authoring suite is all based on James Pennebaker's work as well. So it all ties wow. into each other. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, um, I guess one final thing on this chapter that I, I liked, um, He's saying that, you know, wise people can balance three responses to, to adversity. So it's kind of the, um, so we're, we're, they're able to like adapt so they can, um, you know, they can incorporate a changing self. They can shape, which is they can change their environment. And then they can select, which is like choosing to move through a new environment. So I, I quite liked that. Um, it's kind of a bit, a little bit like the serenity prayer in some ways, like knowing what you can and can't change and then also okay. like knowing the di- knowing the difference so <laughs> there's think, adapting um, yourself there's adapt yeah. changing your environment or adapting yeah. to your environment is that what you said uh yes yeah th- those are the three yeah. and i suppose changing. yeah depending on how like sometimes you might not really be able to change your environment right so it's best to learn to adapt to it but sometimes you don't need to put up with something and you can just yeah yeah change yeah. it hmm that's uh that, that's probably one of my favorite chapters that I feel like we've uh, we've breezed through a bit there. But yeah. um, I guess it's yeah, it's interesting. It did, it did make me think about um, you know, when you're talking about like the kind of um the vertical, so there are kind of um what he's saying is that like when your longer term goals yeah. kind of match 
with your shorter term immediate goals. I was thinking a little bit yeah. about like Tony Robbins time of your life and like in yeah. terms of, you know, goal, goal setting for 2022. And I don't know, um, I'd love to hear what, what you think about this, but like this year I've tried to make, my goals are a lot shorter term than they used to be. Yeah. So I think I used to kind of set like a goal for like, okay, this year I'm going to do X, Y, Z, or I'm going to achieve this. Whereas at the moment, I think I've now focused on kind of what are the systems I need to put in place in order right. to kind of move towards a longer term goal right, that isn't right, necessarily right. like set in a fixed place. And I think that's what stood out to me here is that like you need to, focus on like immediate goals that feel wholesome and yeah. kind of facilitate the life you want to live and move you ever closer to, you know, um, you know, the person you want to be. Yeah. But also those need to kind of fit in within some kind of bigger picture of what, what you're looking to do, do with your life. Um, yeah. And like I think this ties into for that. Yeah. This ties into chapter five. So I think we'll run with that. So that's the I the sort of wisdom idea. This chapter is called The Pursuit of Happiness. And the wisdom idea, I've got this quote here yes. from Epictetus. Do not seek to have events happen as you want them to, but instead want them to happen as they do. <laughs> so the idea from ancient wisdom yeah. is that when you strive for stuff, and this comes from Stoicism, Buddhism, that you actually you suffer because you end up just longing and wanting and having these attachments. And if you can find contentment with what is, then that's inner work, right? And it, you're not a hostage to your external environment. But I mm. guess Jonathan Haidt comes back on this a bit and he's like, well, actually, we do know there are some stuff <laughs> that in our environment that is damaging and we don't just habituate to it. Um, he talked about like relational conflicts and uh, there's a few like ones that I'm like, Oh yeah, but they seem very basic, but like noise. <laughs> so if you just like live yeah, yeah. like really close to Not traffic, commuting. yeah. Yeah. Commuting like <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. It's like in gen, in general, he called this the adapt adaptation principle in general. We just adapt to circumstances. So like you've probably heard of the, the, you know, if you, um, lost both your legs or an accident or if you won the lottery both you would estimate your emotions being much higher and much longer lasting than they would be generally speaking you adapt to the circumstance and you go back to baseline um but there are some things we don't adapt to and like you know, just said a couple of them there noise conflict um and so there are things worth striving for but yeah like i guess to build it back to the point you were saying it's that there's also this um the progress principle he calls it so like there's happiness to be gained a little bit of happiness to be gained in achieving something you know when you finally tick that thing off you've been working on something for years and you finally get it but he says you know that'll last a day or two but there's also pleasure to be gained mm. in the pursuit of something itself uh, in the journey in the of process, getting there yeah. and like yeah obviously that's yeah. most of the time. So you're going to want to find that happiness and find the things you enjoy doing. Um, because that's what you, yeah, yeah. Your, your wins and your hitting goals are just fleeting moments. Whereas your actual, uh, journey and progress towards things is what you're doing the majority of the time. Hmm. He quotes, yeah, uh, I think he's kind of, he kind of, 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was going to say he quotes. Um, I say this right. Mihai Chick sent Mihai's flow and talks about how that's like a state to get into, which is this experience he's talking about. Yeah, we're kind of to- totally immersed. In, yeah, um, I think yeah. Obviously, I feel like I've read multiple books where flows quoted. So it's, yeah, uh, <laughs> I feel like I should be able to. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's kind of been everywhere. But um, I guess it's yeah. He, he sort of he does um, you know, kind of challenge that um, you know, Buddhist idea of like you know entirely escaping our our attachments and just like not being um, you know, so focused on achievement necessarily and being tied to that being a value that brings us happiness. He challenges that in the sense that he's like, yes, you know, cultivate acceptance, um, weaken your attachment, your emotional attachments to to things and people and situations, but also use your strengths, like commit yourself to something, like move yourself forwards. Like it's not, right. it's not kind of like a leaning back and totally accepting everything. Like <laughs> right. Yeah. There is like a degree, there is, you know, there is happiness to be found in, in purpose and um, pursuing things and hitting, hitting goals and, you know, and to that, to that degree, you know, um, making sure the the things you do in your life are, are a means to an end. Um, yeah. Uh, so sorry, sorry that the, um, you know, doing them is, is the, an, an end in itself. Right. The, the means are an end in itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exa- exactly. Um, it's, uh, interesting. I wonder if, um, this, this ties might tie interesting into, um, a section he writes on on work. Do you remember? Do you remember that part of the book? Where he nope, you know, talks about <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. So he talks about like the the love of um, you know, d- doing meaningful work. Basically, right. saying so, you know, he says um, it's it's important for us to pursue the right goals and find flow at work. So he says, you know, um, we have a drive to make things happen. Like we naturally like strive for like competence industry and mastery right and part of that is like engaging in our environment and making progress towards goals and you know if work is varied and challenging it's exciting to us um yeah and it kind of like deepens our meaning because happiness comes from getting like the connection to your work right with with your values and feeling like you're pursuing something i think it's uh something i can certainly vouch for is that having you know meaningful and um, enjoyable and challenging work provides a lot of meaning in in your life. I think he he really advocates for that as like a key part of what he just you know happiness in general. I, I, feel, yeah. I feel really hesitant to say the word like happiness sometimes because it's such like a broad term and yeah, kind yeah. of pre- prescribing it down to these specific kind of bullet points of like oh you'll be happy if you <laughs> have good work or you'll be happy if you don't live near traffic or you're happy yeah so, yeah yeah um, but yeah I, I don't know if that's something um you know you'd like to comment on it's uh i think it's quite interesting well i i i think i remember reading this part and um so i'm I'm gonna tie it into another chapter which he talks about how uh (laughs) thinking there's the shakespeare quote is it um uh i'm gonna butcher the quote completely but it's something like you know, nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so, right? So it's the way we interpret, it's the foundation of CBT, cognitive therapy, and stoicism and a lot of Buddhism. But the it's not the external world that affects how we feel, but it's how we interpret our situations. And so off the back of what you're saying about work, I think he was saying as well that the, the meaning we might find from work is kind of unique to us so you might someone might have a job which you might consider i don't know 
m- trivial or mundane or something or, or or unpleasant let's say someone works in the i don't know works in the sewers but like if they can attach the meaning that i'm providing a, a an absolutely crucial function for society here <laughs> like if the mm. sewers don't work like no one's happy so like and when they can find that meaning and what they're doing it's like yeah yeah like, i i attached to that and you'll find your contentment or even if you're doing something you don't care about the job but it's purely for the money but the money is the means to i don't know providing for your family and then that's the channel through which you can find that meaning it's um so it's it's i guess i'm saying that it's not necessarily the type of job you have but it's the meaning you can find within it for you that's think he's making the cases most important and being you know kind of feeling like you're using your strengths feeling like it's yeah you see your strength and then you kind of like approach the work a whole lot differently and you you i think also you're saying like something you're you're committed to doesn't matter what it is but like necessarily like you are committed to the work and you feel like you're using your strengths yeah i suppose that's a slightly different point isn't it but yeah it's like if you were doing the sewer work you found meaning in it but you you kind of knew you had the potential to be a theoretical physicist. You might be like, I'm not living up to my potential here. And that's, I guess, mm, suppose that's mm. down to each individual to feel where their limits lie. Mm. That's, um, yeah. I wonder if you could explain to me, cause I'm not yeah. <laughs> sure about <laughs> you know, kind of what, what, what do you mean? What, what he means by, you know, happiness comes from between. Oh God! I was um, going to ask you that question. I that's, that's part, well, I've kind of I have I've written it, I have written down kind of like what he refers to as the happiness hypothesis. Okay, um, you know the, the the happiness does come from between. So I guess I'll read it and see. I'd like to All hear right. your interpretation we'll and help me understand it better. Yeah, yeah. There we go. I'll give you a bit of a give a bit of a head start. I'm not just going to throw you right in. So it says happiness is not something you find, acquire, or achieve directly. You have to get the conditions right and then wait. Some of these conditions are within us, such as coherence with the parts and levels of our personality. Other parts are about the relationships with others. We need love, work, and connection, and something larger, something to strive for. From this, purpose and meaning will emerge. So I think he's talking about the interactions between those, you know, the, the conditions within us and parts of our personality. Yeah, so it sounds a lot, like um i might call it coherence or integration or um congruence where like it's not so much each individual thing but the way in which they align so you know we talked so one aspect of that might be for example, our elephant aligning with our rider, like where, when our elephant and our yeah. rider, our rational self, our emotional self, our conscious or unconscious are going in the same direction, that that feels pretty good, right? And I guess that idea expands to relationships um, when, I don't know, when we're working towards a shared goal or we have shared values, it might not be the values themselves, but the fact that we're sharing them and we're in harmony, something mm. like that. Um, mm. That's my first crack at the whip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, I, th- I think for, for me, it's, it seems like it's about, 
the, the, the relationship we have between what our skills and purpose are in life, but also like the underlying wider meanings of life. So in terms of, you know, what are like our wider perspective of life. So in terms of the fact that like on a day-to-day level, we can be doing meaningful work and achieving things that feel meaningful to us and having meaningful connections, but also to what, to what ends, like what is our bigger picture of the earth and our, you know, mortality and, our faith and you know maybe things around like religion and spirituality like what is essentially like kind of our interaction between our understanding of like the meaning of life and kind of what this is all for versus yep. like the ground level day to day like yeah kind of get stuck in these these moments these interactions these relationships are you know loves and hates and all these sorts of things and where does that kind of Understand, having a good understanding of like where that fits into our bigger life story and our bigger understanding of of the world. Yeah, no, I follow that. Yeah. So it's like yeah. you've got your, I don't know, let's go to David Allen and your 40,000 foot view of life or whatever. And then you've got your buying your cat food day-to-day ground level zoomed right in uh, perspective. It's like if those are in alignment, if if the way you're speaking to the person at the checkout counter is in alignment with your values and virtues of like the person you want to be when you look back in life <laughs> that's that's a sort of in betweenness yeah. that's um that if you sort of persist with and train that elephant so you're not all moody and stroppy and frustrated with people you come across but you actually value yeah. the idea of uh, spreading joy or positivity then um that's yeah that's that's one example i suppose of an in-betweenness you might be talking about Hmm. along with the one we talked about earlier the um the like yeah that i forget the what you called them now but we had that alignment between like your sort of uh, personality your temperance you're sort of born with versus the defenses and your goals you build up versus the the myth of your life the story of your life you build I suppose that's another type mm, of in between us, mm. a type of integration we're looking for as well in this yes. idea. I um I liked the uh probably my other favorite chapter was um chapter two, change your mind. Yeah. So I suppose that's kind of like off um you know, does talk about that kind of elephant in the rider. He says that, you know, the the rider as people, we can't necessarily just like change on our own like the elephant needs retraining and this is done through behavior that occurs month after month so yeah um i, I quite like you says you know our, our elephant has like inbuilt biases and reactions and it, it reacts um instinctively yeah but then uh like if we can train the rider to have better control o- over it then we're we're in a better position to kind of like create meaningful behavior change and I, I kind of think about it like on a day-to-day level when i'm trying to change a behavior or instill a habit that requires you know, yeah. an action like a physical action what is it like what is it that i need to like feel and believe in order for that to change and i think it, it does it does take time and it, sometimes i'm kind of give myself like you know daily reminders about the values behind the the new behavior change. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, you know, kind of like I'll fall to the level of my 
I guess James was there, like level of like my systems or I'd fall to yeah. kind of like base, you know, sort of I can have all these like values about being like a healthier person and moving things forward, but then I'll still eat that pizza and have that beer. Yeah. I said I wasn't going to have, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah I, guess so I'm, I guess I'm just thinking about, you know, kind of how do we, how do we strengthen the rider? Yeah. And he makes the point that just it's that chapter. You, if you basically turn that chapter into a book, I, I think that sort of becomes the chimp paradox or it was sort of training that chimp and it's, it's not, um, yeah. It, he, he, talks about like i don't know new year's resolutions or or one-off epiphanies which might last even longer but but if we want real sustained change it's about like constantly training that elephant as if we were training a you know mm. a new dog we had or something and um and then that ties in with like you say james clear stuff about that one percent habit formation these daily uh small wins and it's like how do we decide on goals that we believe our future elephant will agree to do so you know when it's the night yes, before yeah. and you have the best intention of i don't know going for going to the gym or, or whatever or like you say having that healthy dinner then that's all very well you the rider the night before saying that while your elephant's asleep but when it actually the rubber hits the road and it is the next day and you have all the feelings and thoughts of being in that moment you might have very different mm. ideas and it's like how do yeah. you plan for the state of mind you'll be in in when you're yes. in that now of what your plan was for mm. I guess it's, it's kind of it feels like it's just the core of a uh any any sort of behavior change or any, yeah. anything and a lot of like the books we read it's sort of like we Definitely. get these we read these things and it kind of encourages a certain mindset or it encourages us to put in certain systems that can uh sort of encourage the the elephant to uh act in the rider's best interest i suppose and it's kind of yeah. a matter of sort of yeah it talks about that like tightening versus loosening up it's like do we need to like loosen up a bit and allow the elephant to kind of lead a bit more versus kind of a you know tightening up and like pulling the reins on it and like getting our ideas and our values straight and having our systems in place and our routines and our habits you know it's, it feels like it's just that constant balance again that like chaos order that structure routine versus yeah. creativity allowing things to flow it's, it feels like it's a, a commonly captured idea and it's a um something to think about <laughs> yeah yeah and you don't want to, well like i've I've definitely been through times where I've tried to sort of, I don't think this is the right phrase, but like white knuckle it through with the elephant, just shove it in. Like, like it's uh, the, the alarm goes off in the morning. I feel like crap, but I force myself out of bed. I go out in the cold and I force myself through. I, I want to eat something unhealthy, but I force, and eventually that will crumble or at least it has done, you know? So it's, it's finding, cause that even though, in those moments I'm doing the things I said I'd do it's it's still set up to fail because I've not found that alignment so a real yeah. recent and practical example I guess is like um I've been doing tennis recently and yesterday I, I played like three hours of it and at no point was I like oh I really can't be bothered to go into tennis today like, I just really wanted to do it so it's finding those things where your rider and your elephant are in alignment because the elephant's like oh that'd be fun <laughs> it's, it's not the same as going yeah, out in yeah. the cold when it's dark outside during january in england but it's 
it's so it's not just about like forcing your elephant to do what it doesn't want to but it's about i don't know bringing it to the table and see what it will agree to as well mm. and i guess kind of back to what i was saying earlier you know kind of if you if you do sort of a i guess if you're giving it negative language like slip up or have that yeah yeah you know kind of do something that doesn't act in your best interest necessarily um it's kind of like how does that fit into your wider life story you know it's kind of like oh you had that pizza on friday night that or that you said you weren't going to have and it wasn't part of the plan and it's not part of your <laughs> yeah. your value system and it's not acting in your longer term best interest but <laughs> yeah. are you able to kind of frame that within a life story that actually you know i am a healthy person and i can i can treat myself and it's okay and not kind of feeling guilty about that because you you feel quite integrated with your your story and quite secure that that act against yourself yeah. is not kind of harming the the view you have of yourself at a wider level right right if if you, if you know what i mean like kind of not not um not like damning your entire sense of self for right, one yeah, yeah. decision that the elephant took over <laughs> yeah. compared to yeah. or the rider lost control or the the rider wasn't able to think straight not kind of a yeah casting yourself in such a dark light for these small yeah. mistakes and kind of being able to put it in the context of a um a wider myth you have of yourself that incorporates everything you know from <laughs> from the purpose of life to um what sort of person you want to be on a day-to-day level as well so um, it's interesting yeah it's, it's i guess when you think about it hmm. yeah well those things it's kind of like well it's very tempting to shame yourself isn't it or have a go at yourself when you do things that are out of line with your values um but then you you suffer twice because you suffer from breaking the value and you suffer for beating yourself up about it and then yeah, yeah. i'm not uh, convinced that the shaming and the beating yourself up has much positive effect either um he's uh he says um in this chapter that we're kind of building off the yeah. the one the divided self so says a uh, Human rationality depends on a critically on critically depends critically on sophisticated emotionality. So it says reason yeah. and emotion must both work together to create intelligent behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a very formal way of saying you need to kind of like, yeah, <laughs> rein in your like that's a way of like strengthening your ego, right? Your the conscious rational self. Like yeah. you need to really strengthen that so that when it comes to interacting with um your emotional self yeah and the emotional reactions and behaviors and internal drives and all those sorts of things that we're a, we're in a better position to um make make decisions that are kind of in the best interest of both potentially ones that kind of uh, yeah yeah do do kind of satisfy the uh, the emotional side of you and the uh, the elephant but also kind of ones that act like act within the best interests of higher high level principles and kind of more logical ideas that you know are better for you. Yeah, and I and I think that's helping me clarify what I was saying before that when we mm-hmm. sort of shame or criticize ourselves, we're just repressing that part of the id or the emotional self even deeper and it mm-hmm. uh that that shadow side will just pop up again, right? So it's about integrating it into the wider whole. Which, Sounds sounds great. 
Uh, um, well, look, I, I've, I feel like they're, they're some of the, the key ideas I've gotten from this book. And it's, uh, I'm kind of interested if there's kind of any, anything else that stood out to you um, in this book at all or any other um, highlights? I think off the um, top of my head, <clears throat> which it probably will tie into the rest of what we talked about, is this idea of virtue ethics. Um, so he talks about that in modern day, we have a sense of morality, which is based on like either rights or um, I guess utilitarianism. So is, I don't know, does this policy lead to more or less suffering? Right. And then he says that a sort of uh, a lost sense of morality is, is building your individual um, virtues and character. And, you know, so rather than, uh, I don't know, you've got these philosophical thought experiments like the trolley problem, like do you push the fat guy in front of the train to stop it running over five people or whatnot? And it's kind of like, well, in, rea- in real life, we're, we're probably, our happiness is better served by thinking about uh, training the virtues we care about, like, I don't know, honesty or courage integrity justice things like that and that's a uh he talked a lot about benjamin franklin who, who i think uh in it he says in his autobiography he, he talked about choosing one virtue that he would just like pursue for a few weeks or months or something and like and he wouldn't think about anything else it's like i'm gonna choose this one thing and i'm just i don't know i'm gonna um whether it's courage or honesty. And I, I'm just going to like go for that for a few months and just see what happens. And sort of um, yeah, yeah. over the years, just trained himself in all these different virtues. Um, I thought that was a really interesting idea. Yeah, like going through that like one lens entirely, kind of like, um, like in Yes Man. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say yes to absolutely everything. And yeah, see what happens. yeah. See what flows from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there was one bit I know. Um, we've remember there was there was a an Alan Watts um talk that we listened to about like life being play and yeah. you know living sincerely but not seriously. Yeah, and um, I guess it was just kind of like a quote at the end of one of the. The chapter is the one that was um, the faults of others, and he's kind of saying, you know, see life as a game. Like we we have a role, and we can we can play out our role in life. And he comes from also those ideas like Hinduism as well. Says like we must play our role, like whatever comes our way. Yeah. Um, and I quite liked that. I quite liked that idea of sort of you know once we understand our dis- our you know distortions in life, and once we understand kind of. Um, you know, kind of what's getting in the way of us being able to kind of serve ourselves, but also the, the community at a, a wider level. Like yeah. what can we do to live more playfully and yeah. sincerely without getting so, because we talk about some quite big ideas today, yeah, you know, yeah. about kind of you know, in, integrating all parts of yourself, your, myth, <laughs> your story, your company, all those sorts of yeah. things. It's like, yeah. how can we, how can we have all those things, but still live, you know, with a lightness about us. And yeah, I guess yeah. one way of doing that is by kind of seeing that this is your role in life and, you know, just play, play that role and let it, uh, let it flow without being so hard on yourself. This yeah. is part of the, <laughs> this is part of your, your role in life and your place on earth. And you are, 
you were born and you have a you have something to contribute and you have something to give the world. So yeah, I like that. I guess it's... that's a bigger question, but yeah, <laughs> just that idea of play. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think that builds on potentially another, I don't know, maybe another virtue, something like, um, I don't know, lightheartedness or seeing the comedy and things. Because at the end of the day, when you're trying to live a healthy life and you find yourself eating beer and pizza, that's quite funny. And uh, maybe being, yeah. <laughs> being, able, yeah. being able to see the funny side of it is... Uh, yeah, it is it is part of life as well, and um, mm. I suppose yeah, what what you're seeing about roles is that we almost have to take on social roles to play a part in society. But but mm. almost having a similar a- attitude to them as we would if we were playing like a character in a play, it's like yeah, I'm going to give it a good crack, yeah. and I'm not going to like drop the ball, but I'm not going to have my identity invested in this so much that like it's it feels like life or death to me and I take it too seriously either. I think even being able to kind of incorporate that level of attitude or that into your your life story, that like my life story is something that is is a light thing and it's not kind of this uh, this biography that's going to be kind of a written in stone for all mm. to see. It's kind of this is like my life and I can choose how how it's written, I suppose, to sound a, a bit cheesy, but it's sort of like <laughs> you, can, you can write, you can write your life story in a in a light-hearted way without it being kind of so serious and just, yeah. you know, we're kind of talking about like, you know, what he says. The life stories, it's like a, you know, it integrates a, a reconstructed past, a perceived present, and an anticipated future. Like there's yeah. no reason why you can't look back at some of the things you've gone through or the lessons you've learned as like quite funny. If they, yeah. if they are like funny things or you can hold them lightly and then yeah. you can perceive your present, you can, you know, in the present, you can just kind of take things as they come and not really take things too personally. If it doesn't work out for you and hold it lightly, then in the future, you just kind of like, oh, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, holding that lightly too and not, not with too much like serious or too much um you know kind of anticipation or expectation that things are going to kind of be a certain way or fall right yeah yeah or fall at your feet or go exactly the way you want them you kind of can can enjoy the fact that things are a bit random and don't quite work out and then they lead to other things there's there's kind of a way of holding those three aspects of the life story um, yeah lightly. i mean that sounds good as well doesn't it it's these uh it ties in. <laughs> yeah. Well, it all sounds great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it ties into we we I can't, we talked about this theme a while ago. Um, I think after we'd done, you know, we'd read and chatted about a number of these self help books, and we we're saying like, oh, you know, you can sort of you can suffer quite a lot striving for this stuff, and that's quite funny <laughs> given the context of like why why you know why try and grow at all you know why try and develop what's the point and it's like because and i don't mean there is no point but if you end up hold clinging on to this stuff so much beating yourself up when you don't meet goals or when you drop when you drop habits and and all that it's kind of like well if you went through life just striving to meet plans and values that you never quite lived up to and continuously beat yourself up for until you died that's not a very good life either. So it's like, uh, no, no, uh, no. 
it's how do you balance the like yeah i i want to have some north stars to aim for so i have a bit direction but like i'm not gonna uh suffer because i never hit them either like that's uh yeah that seems counterintuitive so it's about acceptance versus striving or something like that and yeah i think this attitude of um finding a sort of is it an acceptance a sort of flexibility when things don't go or the way you plan them or when uh, adversity strikes or yeah when failures happen it's um sounds really important hmm. Hmm. well <laughs> don't, don't know how to foster nah, it but it sounds great yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah no, it, is, it is one of those books I, I feel um i guess i feel like i kind of need i want to summarize a little bit but I, I feel like there's a lot of you know good lessons in there and there's some quite it's a really wonderful i guess summary of key ancient wisdom that we've kind cool of idea. like yeah breeze through but yeah it's a cool idea and it's kind of nice to have it there and kind of condensed and now I kind of feel like I've condensed it myself into some, yeah. some notes in a podcast I've done with you it's um I guess yeah. it's in terms of its practical utility I think I'm still kind of working out where that that lands for me I think um yeah well he's a psychologist isn't he you. it's not like he yeah he's not a Tony Robert he's not a down in the ground <laughs> kind of guy yeah. so it is a bit of a higher level more abstract philosophical idea isn't it I'd like I know I've just jumped on what you said, but it's like I didn't find myself implementing things as I was reading the book, like I did with like sleep or carpe diem or something. Yeah. It's like it's more of a mm. I don't know. Hopefully, these are the kind of things that you let your mind chew over and they sort of sink into your unconscious without you having to do much about it. <laughs> yeah. At least that's what I like to tell myself. <laughs> <laughs> all right well um i think if that's if you're happy and that's all well, i guess we'll uh we'll wrap it up there but um the next book we're covering is how emotions are made by lisa feldman barrett so this is a uh a book about where she has a has an alternative theory about how our emotions arise in us and the meanings we attach to them it's a it's a Apparently a little bit controversial in the way she thinks about it. So I'm uh, I'm intrigued to uh, hear a point of view. I'm a couple of chapters in and I think it could be really valuable and um, could challenge some some previous podcasts that we've done. So Right. Well, I haven't opened it yet, but I look forward to it. Good. See you in 15 <laughs> days' time. <laughs> I better get cracking. <laughs> yeah, you better add. Um, all right, well, yeah, good to be back. And it's probably been a about six weeks at least mm. since we've been uh, been on the cast so uh yeah, yeah nice to, I, I finished nice this book you, like uh, a month ago so it's not quite as fresh as I would have liked but that's yes. a, I yeah, think that's yeah. a good practice in and of itself right because if the book only lasts as long as you read it then it's you're not taking too much wisdom from it so it's nice practice to have a bit of distance yes yes ah, well right we'll uh, chat to you soon mate and nice to be uh, nice to be talking again I'm Cheers, mate. Happy New Year, mate. Bye. Bye. Happy New Year, innit? <laughs>